0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So we are in the re. What does that mean? We're going to take the re and talk about redemption today. We're going to be talking about being redeemed by the blood of Jesus that makes us holy. So if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 and 21. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 and 21. I'm reading out of the New King James. And if you don't have that, then just look up here. And if you're watching online, it should be on the screens for you to view there. And let's give all of our viewers at home just a hand clap of appreciation for joining us. If you are with us right now online, uh, share. Share it out, and uh, I bet you, and I know this is going to be a blessing to somebody. I'm so excited about this. Are you ready? Thir- 13. Verse 13 says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of of Jesus Christ. Notice it said it's brought to you through the revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is when God simply reveals himself to you with his spirit, by his spirit from his word or through prayer. Always from the word, of course. But it says verse 14, as obedient children not conforming yourself to the former lust, the old lifestyle, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. How many of you remember last week we talked about the holiness of God and his person and who he is? And so now right here, Peter is writing and he is saying, now the scripture says, be holy for I am holy, speaking of God, speaking to his people. And if you call on the father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing now I believe he's speaking of here, this earth. While you're in this world, he's speaking to the church and telling them, conduct yourself with the fear of God. In other words, don't just live life aimlessly, but be intentional to serve God and to do his will. Because he says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. And how many of you know that there's no amount of money that could have bought your salvation? There's nothing in this world that compares to the love and the mercy and grace of God. And he says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct, aimless conduct. That means there are people, the biggest problem they have is that they aim anywhere. And the problem is, is that they hit it and they think they've arrived. But God has so much more and he has higher heights for you that received by the traditions of your father. Verse 19, but with the precious blood, you weren't redeemed by silver and gold. He said, but by the, by the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, that's what redeemed us. He indeed was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in him God, and how many of you have faith in God here this Sunday morning? So essentially what the writer Peter is telling us, what the apostle is saying to us, he's saying, I just want to remind you that you used to be someone else, but God saved you, and God who is rich in his mercy came into this world and bought you with the price, and now he says, live accordingly, live that life. And he says, and by the way, it wasn't silver silver and gold that bought your soul, but it was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's the reminder. Today we're talking about the blood that makes us holy, and we're talking about being redeemed. Why don't you bless the service right now? Come on, your prayers have a big impact. Will you ask God to let this right now bless those that are watching online? And would you pray that God will open up your hearing and, and touch your heart to receive? Father we pray right now in the name of Jesus and I just ask you to let this word come out simple with love with passion with wisdom and understanding let it be taught dear God with with clarity and let every heart receive the simplicity of it and we want to hear from you we want to hear it through your word and we want to understand in Jesus name and everybody say amen amen if you know God's been good to you give him another hand clap because he's so worthy Come on, we do a lot of this because you're so worthy. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing and worshiping. This past Friday, we had a uh, co-op meeting. And we have a community co-op. It's a nonprofit ministry we've begun here comprised of farmers and homesteaders. How many of you know what a homesteader is? Uh, Someone who raises their own... Uh, crops, the gardens, um, ch- meat as well, raise their own meats like chicken, rabbit, quail, and well, when we 've had enough experiences here already throughout the year that um, we saw the stores, the shelves and the stores just being emptied out out of the most ridiculous circumstances. I mean, how many of remember how many of you all remember when COVID started, uh, everyone t- stole the toilet paper? <laughs> right? Had nothing to do with anything, but we got to get the toilet paper. That's just the way people do. Well, after this freeze, we, you know, we wanted to take it up a measure and go back to the original really the origin of what the church was. The early church actually provided for themselves in the sense of the church community. So we have our distribution day coming up, and we're going to set up a tent with contributions from every homesteader in this church. That's we're going to feed our families that need it with fresh vegetables, greens, eggs, meat. Uh, it, it's going to grow. And so this past Friday, we had our first meeting, and we had a special guest come in, and that guest uh, brought rabbits to dress out. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to put little tuxedos on them with little <laughs> bitty bows. <laughs> that means that, you know, we were going to be taught how to butcher a rabbit now if you're a rabbit lover you have no room to talk if you've ever eaten a hamburger or a hot dog (laughs) just saying you just didn't see the process so we had rabbits come in that were raised for meat and they were going to teach us so right outside over here on my right outside the door they brought this A-frame structure. It wasn't too big, it was just high enough. And it had nooses on it. And when they would, how can I say, put the rabbits to sleep, they began to skin them and began to pull the fur off. And they were showing, revealing the meat and all of that, and they show us how to prepare all of that. And While that's going on, with blood dripping everywhere, I know it sounds gross, but this is what you do. Our neighbors across the way start walking into their little compartments. And they see a church with bloody animals outside the front. And they stop and take note of it and... Looking at us, trying to figure out what it is, and I'm trying to go live with it. You know, I'm. I'm. It's. We're. We're starting off small. Everything great starts off small, and we're. So I'm having to multitask, and I'm actually the production guy right there, holding my little phone with my little stabilizer, watching it. I want to explain it to them. I'm just waving like that, like this is a wonderful thing we're doing, and and then afterwards I went and explained, and they're like, oh, thank God, we thought this was a strange, you know, whatever. You know, if you're, if you're vegan and, you know, that, that that hurts your feelings, um, radishes have feelings too. Right. <laughs> just found out this past week my son is allergic to radishes, weirdest thing. You can be allergic to a lot of things as you get older and he's in his 20s and, you know, sin can rub us the wrong way too and we don't really... Consider this so many times, but we become immune to sin so much that that we can almost almost take the blood of Jesus for granted. Um, we've been so blessed in this nation, and I know that as a family. I know I have been blessed. I I'm not saying I have a a wealthy and full bank account, and I'm not saying that I live in a three story home, and I'm not saying that I have Rolls Royces in my garage. But I'm saying I have breath and I've been forgiven and and I have running water and I have food in my fridge and I have the simplicity of life. But I think out of all the things that I've been blessed with just to live life and live comfortably, um, I think that we can become spoiled. If you don't think you're spoiled, um, let's see what happens when you run out of A.C. in your car. Try going one night without air conditioning in your home. I mean, the little modern conveniences that we have, I just have to say, God's been good to us. God's been so good to us. But the reason why you and I are blessed and we have the benefits that we do have in our life is because, I really do believe, it's because of the favor of God on this nation, on us, on you as a family. Um, I mean, has God been good to anybody here this Sunday morning? I mean, really, does does anybody know that you can look back and recognize how God has orchestrated your life and blessed you and your family in certain ways that no one else could? You couldn't put a price tag on that. But as gruesome as it sounds that I talked about blood from animals and blood from those little precious rabbits, um, which are going to taste great and some flour and fried. But we also forgot the process of the blood of Jesus and why we're here and I think we need to revisit that I, th- I really think we need to look at the actual blood trail that took place that leads up to this moment so I want you to look up here and I want you to see this first slide and I'm gonna kinda go through here and explain it to you so we read the first account of blood being shed for the sins of Adam and Eve again last week to recap on this to teach it correctly that we talked about God being holy and who he is in person. Who God is, um, is it's like a lot like light. Light doesn't try to be light. Light is light. Light doesn't try to be bright. Light is bright. The sun doesn't try to be hot. The sun just is hot. God doesn't try to be God. He is just God. And who he is is a holy God. Remember the angels that flew? They cried out, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. Well, because of that, God had to create a barrier between Adam and Eve to enter into that place of holiness. So they would not die. And in order for them not to die, God had to take the life of an animal. And you'll understand this better later. But but when you read the scripture, you'll find out that the scripture says that the life is in the blood. And God required the blood of an animal or the life for a life. It never says that God went to the altar and he skinned the animal. But it does say that in the book of Genesis that they were covered with animal skins because they were naked. So they lost their innocence. And sin will cause you to lose your innocence. And then it requires God's method of redemption to take place to clothe you. We're not clothed with animal skins here today, but we are clothed with, clothed with the grace and the mercy of God. And so when you look at this, that teaching, before the law, mind you, it was something that God He really conveyed to the patriarchs. This is something that they knew. They just knew this about God because it was carried down from Adam and Eve. And they did teach it to their children, but when you look at the next episode in the scripture, There was a murder that took place between Cain and Abel, and Cain murdered his brother Abel. The reason why he murdered him is because Cain became jealous. When they came to God and it was time to honor God and worship God, Cain brought the fruit of his own ground and something he produced out of his own works. Now, if one brother knew what to do to approach God, I'm sure the other one did too. Maybe one was listening and the other one wasn't. And so Abel came and he brought the offering to God. And God was pleased with it. It caused Cain to be jealous and he caused him to look at his brother. And he caused him to simply slay him. And the scripture says that God came and said, what have you done to your brother? Listen to this. He said, I hear his blood crying out to me. Isn't that amazing that God hears blood? What's in blood? The life of men. That's another study for another time, but I do believe the spirit of man is connected to that. And so when you look at this, you'll find out that every so often, from generation to generation, there are people that knew this principle and they adopted the principle. When you look at Noah, when Noah stepped out of the ark and he stepped onto dry land, it was a priority for him. God conveyed it to him. The first thing he did was build an altar. He built an altar to offer unto God a sacrifice, the blood. And when God received it from Noah, that was the rainbow in the sky, and that's what the rainbow really represents, the covenant that God made with humanity to never come again and destroy the earth with water, the whole earth. That was a sign of a covenant between God and man. Not between man and man, but that's another whole series too. Abraham was known to be an altar builder. Abraham was known for building altars. He was a friend of God. And you look at the life of Abraham, you'll find out that the real test came downward. If you look at the diagram, it was with Isaac, whom Isaac was his firstborn son. And this is where God tested Abraham and said, if if you're really my friend, if you're really obedient to what I want to do in your life and what I want to do for this generation. Um, If you really want children according to my promise, I want you to give me your firstborn son. Now we know in the scripture that when Abraham was going up Mount Moriah, that the servants asked, you know, where were you going? And there was conversion, there was conversation between Abraham and the servants, and, and Abraham said, The the lad and I are going to go up to yonder to to worship, but we'll come back. So Abraham knew what God had asked him to do, but he also knew what God could do. And stating that the boy and I will come back. So when he gets up to the mountain, we know the story. He lifts his hands up and he goes down and an angel stops it. And then God says, now I know I can trust you. And now I know that you believe me and I will call you my friend. And then the, the, the real sacrifice came, which was the ram that was caught in the thickets. And then he became the sacrifice. But the last exodus to prove the power of blood and what it would do when God called for it was found in the book of Exodus on the Passover. Whom Pharaoh had such a hard heart even after nine miracles, notable miracles of judgment coming on Egypt. The last one, God said, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one where he's going to let you go and let my people go. He said, uh, he told, he told Israel, he told Moses, he said, tell the people. He said, tell them to take the blood of a lamb. And he said, put it on the doorpost, put it on the top of the headpost, put it on the sides and just let it be there because I'm going to send the spirit of death, and the spirit of death is going to take the firstborn of every Egyptian, but it's going to pass over your family. It's going to pass over your house because you're covered by the blood, and therefore, that's how we get our term and our Christianese, our jargon, church jargon. When we say we're covered by the blood, that's where we get that from. It's not in the scripture, really, but it is in the scripture. So believers by faith know that when you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you have every right to stand in the, in the celebration of life because death has passed over us. How many of you are glad that you've been saved by grace? How many of you know that death has already passed over your generation and the next generation to come? There is multifacets of generational blessings that comes from the blood of Jesus. But right here this is where everything begins to get organized. This is where God begins to institute it as a law now. So when Moses brings Israel out he said, "You know the forefathers knew what to do, but now I'm going to put it and invoke it within a system." And within this system he said in that mountain called Zion When Moses went up to the mountain and the glory of God filled the top of that mountain, and Joshua was halfway on the mountain and Moses all the way up, the finger of God came in and wrote on the tablets called the law. And then he gave him the plans to the tabernacle. And within the plans of the tabernacle, here's the next slide, you'll find exactly what God gave Moses. God said, I'm going to want you to establish an altar. At the very bottom, you'll see that little square. He said, I want you to establish an altar of sacrifice. That's where you're going to offer the blood. He said, then you're going to do the labor. And I don't have time to go through the entire thing. So I'm going to jump all the way up to the very top square called the most holy place. And you're going to allow the priest to go into the holy place right below the top square. And then you're going to have them do the rituals. But nobody, not even the high priest, can take one step into this without the shedding of blood. Blood was the requirement for men to engage with a holy God. And on top of that, only one man was only able to enter in to the most holy place. In that most holy place... In that little section on the top, it was divided by a veil. Do you see the line between the two in that rectangle? That's the veil. Curtains. Behind the curtain, there was a box called the Ark of the Covenant that was overlaid with gold. And in that was manna from the wilderness. Was the rod of Aaron that blossomed. Represented the high priest. Aaron was the first high priest. And then there was the law of tablets that God gave to Moses that were in there as well. And then that was representative, was rep- representation of the presence of God. And on top of that ark, which is, which is really relevant for this message today and this lesson, there were, there were angels that had their wings facing each other. And there was a seat referred to as the mercy seat. That's where God's divine mercy would be implemented as the high priest would perform the rituals and pray and intercede for all of Israel. And because of that one moment that the high priest spent there, God's blessings would fall on Israel. Now they had a system in place. Now God organized it. But here's one of the major things you have to look at is right at the beginning at the gate, the very bottom the blood came from the families. The blood really was a high, high, oh gosh. You know, what is your highest expense in your household? And theirs, it was the lamb. Finding the right lamb. Finding a spotless lamb. This was going to be a type of Jesus. But what's unique about this, and I want to hurry, but... The the priest would receive the lamb from the people. They were they were c- camped all around the tabernacle, but they each would bring their lamb. And when they brought the lamb, the priest said, You kill it, I'll offer it up. Because you're the one who sinned. So God required them to cut the throat of the animal. It was a transferen- it was an act of transference. You can write that down. It was an act of transference. That was God's way of the people helping them understand it was your sin that caused it to die. So every family knew that when they brought the lamb, the reason why that lamb died was because it was for their sin. And the reason why the blood shed is because their life had to be given for theirs. Therefore, their life was sustained. And therefore... Israel was blessed, and God can continue to act, interact. A holy God could continue to interact with an unholy people because of their sin, but because of the power of the blood, they had favor in their life. This was an old system, and it worked good for a short time. But we know the rest of the story. So when you look at this, you have to understand. Now when you look at the New Testament and god sent his only begotten son into the world much like abraham had isaac god said i provided a substitute but i'm going to do the whole i'm going to go through with the whole thing and i'm going to send my son and i'm going to offer him as a sacrifice for all people and he's going to be the spotless lamb and jesus became the offering for all of us now what's really intriguing about this is that when you understand, you and I understand, uh, the power of the blood and all that took place of it was based on the protection that the shepherds of the owners placed on that lamb. The father, many times, many times, did you recognize that when Jesus was born, do you remember the story that when Jesus was born, Herod wanted to kill Jesus? And he told Joseph and Mary, go, go to Egypt, go to Nazareth. Go, go, well, you know, it's like they were in a caravan going different places. Why? Because Herod was after the life of Jesus. And they stayed for 12 years in, in, in Nazareth. God protected Jesus. Kept him from, like a herder would do, a shepherd would do, protected him from all the predators. Protected him from the terrain. Blessed him and took him into green pastures. That was a sacrificial lamb. Point number one, and I want you to write this down, is Jesus paid the price once and for all. And the reason why it was once and for all, because there's never been a human being in this world that had sinless blood except Jesus Christ. Never. In our lifetime or prior lifetimes or any lifetime, there will never, ever be a sacrifice that can duplicate, replicate what Jesus Christ has done. <laughs> Nowhere, no how, nothing. I talked to a, a friend of mine who's a goat herder. He's a farmer. He, he raises goats. And, and I called him up and I said, I, I need to know something. I said, could you tell me the price that's paid to raise a lamb for show? Now, you got to go with show quality because if you're going to try to get a good analysis on what they were producing for their sacrifices, it had to be something that was a quality. It had to be for show. And so they did it. He told me about it. He's done it for goats. But for lambs, he said, yeah, that's... That's uh, about 25 to $2,700 a year just, just for feed. And we're talking about, we're not really talking about medical expenses a lot or, or just the veterinarian cost and some of the equipment. So it can cost you quite a bit. So I thought to myself, you know, if all my family was already, you know, having children and we had kids, all my kids were having kids, I said, that'd be, that's, wow, man, that's, that's like five lambs. That's. That times five, that's about $13,000 $13, a year just for that. But, but you don't get it right the first time, so you're going to have to produce more than that. So then you multiply that by what, five or three? Now you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars just to try to raise that, and that's not counting the, the trouble, the sweat equity. I'm talking like a businessman for a moment because you've got to think this way to really understand the full burden of it. Because not only did these shepherds have to provide food for them, but they also had to protect them. And somebody had to stay up. Somebody had to build the fences. Somebody had to take them out to get some water, find some grazing pastures. That required a lot of work. Because what happens on the inside, nutritionally, is what the coat will produce. And I've seen this friend of mine. His, it's actually my brother-in-law. And I've seen some of his goats. He sells them for a thousand fifteen. Uh, a thousand dollars fifteen hundred dollars there for show and they have the most beautiful coats And he said Um, when you're judging this and you're doing for show he said everything goes into consideration the tightness of the, sc- of the coat the muscular structure the health of it the fullness of it no blemishes nothing like that everything has to be just right on this thing or it doesn't qualify and I thought well that explains a lot coming from The mouth of somebody who has actually raised goats and lambs. And that's why Jesus, that's why Jesus went through so much to be tested in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to check his integrity. Satan tried to tempt him three times on one subject. If you're the Son of God, if you're the Son of God, do this. Jump from the mountain top and the angels are going to catch you. Turn the rocks into bread and you won't starve. And he said in every event, even when he took him to the high place and said, if you look out there, he said, you'll see the silver and you'll see gold. He, the devil said, Satan himself said, that belongs to me. If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. But what did Jesus say? He said, get behind me, devil. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he used it, meaning that the Father was constantly abiding within the Son, guiding him, directing him, protecting him, just for you and I to keep the blood pure. There was a lot of work that went into the life of Christ. There was a lot of hours, a lot of angels. When he was born, angels showed up at his birth. Now, I don't know who showed up at your birth. Maybe a lot of, if you're Mexican, I know who showed up, but I'm telling you, not everybody, not everybody has angels galore at their At their birth, but I'm gonna tell you, Jesus wasn't just another baby, he was the Lamb of God with the blood of redemption inside of him. And when that blood dropped to the ground, it was more powerful than the blood of Abel, according to the book of Hebrews, because Abel's blood cried out, Vengeance, Jesus' blood cried out, I paid the price. It's been paid for. Redemption, it's done. Hebrews chapter 9, listen to what it says. 9, 11, and 15 in the New Living Translation. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. That means that everything good in our life has been because of Jesus. Everything. He has entered the greater and more perfect tabernacle in heaven which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of the goats and calves, he entered the most holy place. Somebody say one time. time. Once for all time. And secured our redemption forever. Somebody ought to get a little happy right there. I'm just saying. I just read you your receipt. You'll catch it later. Verse 13, under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could not cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurities. I don't care how hard they try. This may mess with your dispensationalism theology. I don't care. They are still trying to find the perfect red heifer to take the place of the blood of Jesus. The reason why they can't do that Is because ceremonially, according to the law, you had to have the ashes of the prior sacrifice in order to do the new sacrifice. And to this day, archaeologists cannot find the last bull sacrifice. Therefore, they've not been able to do the new one. But I got to tell you, you can find Jesus anywhere. You can find the blood, the body by faith and continue to live a blessed life. Because he's not like the old system that can't be found. Jesus said, when you seek for me with all of your heart, you will find me. You will find me. Verse 14, just think how much more. The blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sins deeds. So that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit. Christ offered himself to God. As the perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant. Between God and people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance. God has promised them. In other words. You can't go any place else. You got to go to Jesus if you're going to be saved. You have to trust in the blood of Jesus and what he did if you're going to see salvation come to your home. I just said Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Is there any Jesus freaks in the house here this Sunday morning? Any fanatics that know that Jesus really came into this world, that he really was crucified, that he really was resurrected, and that he has poured his spirit out. Somebody holler at me and say amen. He paid the price. He paid the price. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins that they had committed under the first covenant. It didn't work. But Jesus said, I'm coming down. And when I come, I'm fixing to rock the earth. I'm fixing to stir a lot of things up. And I'm fixing to go down to hell as well. I'm going to come to the earth and turn the world upside down. And I'm going to set people free from prison. And I'm going to preach to the sick. And I'm going to raise the dead. And I'm (laughs) going to heal the leper. And I'm going to do some things that you've never seen before. But the prophets prophesied about it. That a light in darkness shall shine again in the wilderness. That I will cause my servant John to prepare the way of the Lord to make his path straight. Get ready because I'm coming. And when Jesus stepped into this world, he didn't have to set up a campaign. All he had to do was get out of the boat, step on the beach, and all the demons would come and bow before him. He was that powerful (laughs) because he was that holy. He was that pure. He was that. And I'm going to tell you something. He came into this world poor, but he was richer than any person that the world ever had. Solomon, it said, that Solomon was great, but Jesus said there's one greater than Solomon here today. And let me tell you something. Point number two, that means that because he was rich, now we are rich in mercy. Because Jesus came and gave mercy. Jesus came and was a total contradiction to religion. When Jesus came and he healed people, he healed them on the Sabbath and the Pharisees became upset with it because they said it's unlawful for him to do. But you know what he told them? He said, if you had a lamb that went out and that was in trouble on the Sabbath, would you go out and bring them back into safety? They missed it. And when Jesus looked at them, he knew, he knew, even though they betrayed him, even though they missed him, even though they didn't know he was the Messiah, even when Judas looked at him in betrayal, he still called him friend. Why? Because mercy and grace and love and the wrath of God was fixing to be out on him who knew no sin and what Jesus was fixing to do he was fixing to, 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 to tear down the barrier from what was behind that veil he was fixing to break down the wall that kept us out of the eternal everlasting mercy of God and that was only was meant for one person. Jesus said, I'm going to be that one person and I'm going to step in as the high priest. And not only am I going to be the high priest, I'm going to be the spirit of Christ inside of you. And I'm with you now. That's why he said, Emmanuel, he would be called that because he was God with us. But he said, behold, I shall be in you. And now as high priest, watch this now, as high priest, he came down. We know the story. He was crucified, he was buried, and he was resurrected, and he ascended up on high, and he sent the spirit back down. Now, what was in a box is now in your life, inside of you. But what's in the presence of God? I'll tell you what's in the presence of God. He said he would be our high priest. That's why he had the rod of Aaron that blossomed. The first high priest, Jesus, was going to be your high priest, making intercession for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that knows the mind of the Spirit knows your heart. And he'll cause you to know how to pray through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the Spirit, will be a fresh word. That's what manna was. Manna had to be eaten the same day it was retrieved. It was afterwards. It would turn into worms. But the word of God, when he gives it to you, it should be a fresh word from God, a rhema word from God. And then he said that he would write his laws, not on tablets this time, but he would write them on our heart and cause us to walk and obey them, keeping us free from sin. So now when you look at yourself in the mirror, you're looking at the tabernacle of God. You're looking at the Ark of the Covenant. Mark chapter 15, look what happened. Watch this, watch this. Say, somebody say, I'm rich in mercy. Watch this. Mark 1537 and 39 is anybody getting this? Are you chewing the cud? Is that what's going on? It's hard to talk when you've got food in your mouth, right? Then Jesus uttered, no pun intended. another loud cry <laughs> and breathed breath and breath his, his last. And, and, and the curtain, watch this this is when he was at Calvary on the cross. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. From top, everyone say top, to bottom. That means that it was, I believe, symbolic that only heaven could do a work for and go down to earth they couldn't be from earth to heaven but he had to be from heaven to earth it had to be god that did the work so he ripped it from top to bottom and when the roman soldier stood over facing and saw how he had died he exclaimed he said this man truly was the son of god look at the next slide so this is exactly what happened i know you understood it but i think you need to see it so really what happened This edifice that was built by Solomon. See, the first one was built by Moses, and it was made out of animal skins, and it was very humble. But the next one that was built after David, Solomon built a temple, and that temple was there, and it was really fancy, and he had stone walls. And and Jesus said to one point in his ministry, he said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up the third day. And they misunderstood it, man. They missed it. They thought he was talking about this. He was talking about his body because the body was the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the same temple, listen to this, that's what God's original plan was, to put his spirit in the body. That's what Adam had. (laughs) but that middle wall of division which I believe was a type of the flesh that kept the barrier out and kept us from seeing God and kept us from coming to God the place where the Ark of the Covenant was the place where the mercy seat sat where Israel began to receive the blessings of God when Jesus died on the cross that wall right there where the arrow is pointing was torn from top to bottom Meaning that what was kept in isolation, God says, now I'm fixing to pour my spirit out on all flesh. I don't know if you heard me or not, but you have something that the high priest and the priest wish they had. That's why the book of Hebrews said they sought for a city whose builder and maker was God. God was fixing to make them the temple. God was fixing to inhabit us. You see, this is where we miss it. I'm going to show you why we don't get excited like we should. I'm excited right now. I don't know if you could, let me tell you a little secret about me. When I get excited, my legs shake. You not like Elvis, me that. I get excited, man. My legs start shaking when I feel that adrenaline go and that excitement because I, I, I see it. I see it. And I pray that if I can see it and explain it the way I see it, then, then you're going to get excited about us also. Because let me explain something to you. You and I know nothing hardly about Jewish culture. That's the problem. See, I'm talking about this right here. And to you, it's just a history lesson. But this was reality. This was reality to God and his chosen people only. How many full-blooded Israelites do we have in the building here today? I thought so. None. Why? Because you were a Gentile. Your forefathers worshipped devils and idols. You don't want to hear it, but that's the way it was. You did not know God. You and I didn't, yeah, you were raised in a church, and some of you were raised in a spirit-filled environment, in Bible-believing environment, but I'm talking years down your bloodline. Yes. Let's just face the facts. We were a bunch of devils. Yes. Being in, I mean, you understand what I'm saying to you? I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to tell the truth because I'm going to read you a scripture that tells you otherwise. You and I were heathens. We don't deserve to be here. You weren't invited to the party. There was no invitation with your name on it. You weren't even considered to go to heaven. (sighs) Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? You and I weren't on the roll. You and I weren't in the book of life, but because he came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, not by the will of man, nor by blood, not by flesh. But the spirit says in the book of John, but by the spirit. By the spirit he beget us. He beget us by the word of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. That's who Jesus was. I feel the anointing in this house. Let me read it to you. Let me explain this to you. Ephesus. A city full of heathens. People simply simply put, people who didn't worship God but worship idols. And if you worship an idol, there was a spirit behind that idol that would influence and make you believe that he was a God. I'm gonna say this, and I'm not trying to be mean and I'm not trying to be judgmental, but but you know, I'm rough around the edges, so you my family's used to it. You are you'll be too, and we'll be okay. I came from the Roman Catholic Church, I worshipped idols didn't think I worshiped. I worshiped idols. I prayed to a lady who gave birth to Jesus that had to get saved just like Peter and John. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I know all about it. I know all about it. In case you don't know what this is, I'm praying the rosary. If you don't know what this is, see, I can talk about it because I, that's where God brought me out of. But then one day God gave me an understanding that he was the Lamb of God and he was the only one that God had given the authority to, to. stand between God and humanity. And then something clicked in my mind. And then I began to understand. Just like the Apostle Paul helped the Ephesian church understand. Watch this. Write this down. Ephesians 2. 1 through 13. This makes me cry. Because I get it. I understand it. Paul writes to the Ephesians and says. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. It sounds like he's talking to us right now, right? Obeying the devil, commander of the power in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, but our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, so God can point to us in a full future ages as examples as of the incredible wealth, someone say the incredible wealth. I don't know if you're catching this, but you heard in verse 4, God is so rich in mercy. And then he says, with incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. See, we're looking around for the wrong, wrong, wrong currency. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to say something, and I know it's not going to, I don't know if a preacher should say it, but I'm going to tell you, Christians nowadays are nothing but gold diggers. I I said it right. I'm going to tell you why. Because all we want is for God to bless us, and we don't want to change. All we want is God's blessings in our life, but we don't want to change. When God says you're looking around for the wrong thing. I've got riches in grace and mercy. I'm rich in love. I'm rich in holiness. I'm rich in the spirit. I'm rich in faith. I'm rich in the fruits of the spirit. Listen to what he says. God saved us by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do nothing good. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here it is. Watch this. Write this down. Verse 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders before you get religious and before you think you're better than anybody else he's saying don't forget you used to be outsiders you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies not their hearts In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. Do not know the covenant promises of God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you live, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God. Now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. (laughs) I don't belong here. I'm a former son to a nightclub owner. I don't belong up here. When you understand what this means... You and I weren't raised in the Jewish culture, but we need to embrace it and understand it in order to receive the full revelation. We were condemned to hell. That's why the scripture says to whoever is forgiven much loves. much." You see. God, God began to talk to me. And I'm going to give you a preview of some things we're going to talk about soon. in this hopefully this year but you're rich in mercy and there are just some things money can't buy only the blood the wealth of God's spiritual riches is more valuable than any gold than any silver than any opal than any diamond than any ruby or your favorite gem it is nothing compared the riches in Christ Jesus and here we are as saved Gentiles pursuing after status (laughs) pursuing after influence pursuing after promotion pursuing after the cheddar and the bread you know what I'm talking about the money God says that if you'll seek me first I'll provide all your needs according to my riches in glory. Let me give you an example how the riches of God is far more valuable than money I'm gonna explain it to you this way. Case in point when God told us it's time to buy property I waited for seven years. The Business that my family had started was offered to me three times I turned it down had the money at that time the economy hit things went down people left but God said right in the middle of a recession God said now start the the land campaign I said but Lord we don't have the money God said do it and we did right when we started the building the land campaign Hurricane Harvey hits <laughs> we were so excited going into the new campaign and all of a sudden the hurricane hit and everybody's broke everyone in the city everyone in the county so we said it's okay that's not a problem we're gonna obey God here's what we do We fulfill the commission, and we fulfill our calling, and he supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So what we did, we started to feed the community. We fed people, over 10,000 people. We have an account of it. 10,000 families, households in this community. We opened up the church. We let people live here. We just said we're all in. We have no strings attached. We're not in it for the blessings. We're in it to be a blessing. And so we pursued after God. Here's what happened. I got a phone call from a man of God. He said, what are your needs? I said, we're fixing to buy property, but we don't have the money. He said, no problem. A billionaire from up north wrote a check out like it was nothing and said, here, go pay for it. You can't buy that. You can't buy stuff like that. That's the riches of his glory. It's called a miracle. God is rich in miracles. Oh, here's another one. What's this? What's this? So Peter and John are on their way to prayer. And when they're on their way to prayer... They see a man lame outside the gate called beautiful. And that man that's lame right there sitting down, he reaches out. And Peter and John look at him and said, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, we give it to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible says that he leaped out from where he was at. Leaped out. That's as good as it gets. He leaped out, and when he leaped out, he was healed instantly. Now, you tell me, if they had given him gold or silver, would that have happened? No, but the riches of God came into his life. You can't buy that. You can't buy mercy. You can't buy grace. You can't buy favor. You can't buy healing. But if you'll just wake up and realize you used to be far away from God. But now you're at Riverside Church worshiping God, lifting up your hands. Come on, somebody. And you are now saved. You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You've been washed. Somebody get excited with me right now. Come on, Gentiles. You're not Gentiles anymore. You're now one new man in Christ Jesus, made up of both Jew and Gentile, the bride of Christ, of Christ